0: your money mind right here heather wagon halls in the house i am flanked by the maestro of moolah michael terry hello folks and we are gonna bring you a fabulous show today on unlock your wealth radio but first are you a reader have you ever read with your ears
1: i have a little bit
0: a little bit well yeah. i would like to give you a free book if oh, I could. May, um, I, may I give I'm, you a free book? I'm down, baby. All right. Outstanding. Well, you too can have a free audiobook. Just check out my <sighs> sponsor, audible.com. Get a free audiobook download from uh, audibletrial.com forward slash unlock your wealth and click on the link to choose from over 150,000 titles for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. So if you're a reader... You can learn to read with your ears. I really enjoy uh, ear reading, and uh, that's how I'm able to get so many more books done in a week. How many books do you read a week? Me? Oh,
1: <laughs> not good. <laughs> uh, but I have, uh, I'm taking you up on your uh, five minutes a day thing.
0: Oh, are you? Oh, from the 13th key, yeah. become a voracious reader. It's amazing. I mean, in just five minutes a day, think about the power of five, right? So if you read five minutes a day in a year... That's oh, f-
1: that's a lot of time. That's man.
0: a lot of time. Think yeah. about that. Yeah, five minutes times three sixty five. Uh. So that's like fifteen, sixty, seventeen hundred minutes. Yeah, it's a good amount of time. Yeah. So, yeah, quite a, quite a few
1: hours, I would say. Well,
0: yeah. So, I mean, and <clears throat> just think of the value. I mean, again, this isn't the 13th key, but <laughs> you know, just think about the power of yeah. of what reading does to the brain cuz this is a biology-based money management show. I mean, it's just amazing. And you learn a good habit. You
1: just learn a good habit. That's well,
0: yeah, it creates and, and and it's a small habit and and all of our big habits Arise from our consistent small habits. Right. So it, just imagine where that's going to take you in a year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> All right. We have an amazing show for you. If you are a real estate aficionado like myself, mm-hmm. then you will enjoy today's guest, Kashif Zabari, uh, or cash for short. He is uh, joining us. He is an international man of mystery, but we're going to demystify him and real estate investing worldwide on today's show. We also have a great real estate related moolah word of the day, but that's not this week's key, is it?
1: No. This week's key is number five take emotion out of the picture. Ding, ding,
0: ding, ding, ding. <laughs> We have a winner. Yes, we are in our fifth key in our Keys to Riches financial philosophy, and that is um, take emotion out of the picture. So if you want to learn about this week's key, you have to join me on our Facebook Live. And I do have um, a page that you can visit on the website, unlockyourwealthradio.com forward slash live, and you can tune in to see our shows. If you are not currently paying attention to what we post on Facebook, then you need to visit our website at facebook.com on forward slash unlock your wealth radio that's our show page all of the latest and greatest information on the keys to riches money credit and you as well as all of the financial techniques and the guests and our show is on that page so if you are a facebook aficionado so yes yeah, so today is aficionado day a nice here word. at unlock your wealth radio yes Uh, So, uh, moving right along, shall we? Mm. Uh, Moolah, word of the day.
1: What do we get? We have
0: title insurance. This is a critical piece uh, when it comes to real estate. Title insurance is our Moolah, word of the day. And it is insurance to protect a lender or owner against loss in the event of a property ownership dispute. Title insurance is most frequently used for mortgages and is required by a large number of lenders. <clears throat> Title insurance has become necessary in the United States because unlike many other countries, the United States, with the exception of a few areas, does not use a land registration system, which could determine the validity of a claimed ownership of property. So let me give you an example. Mm. All right. So – um uh, I used to teach this when I used to teach my real estate class this example. So imagine, mm-hmm. if you will, a hundred years ago, all right? Mm-hmm. And you're in the wild West. And so, you know, so, you had property claims, and it was kind of a little bit of a different system. And I, and I speak in those terms because Arizona is a deed of trust state, and that's where I used to teach my real estate okay. classes uh, for pre-licensees <laughs> and, and broker training, too. And so imagine that your great-grandfather, <clears throat> he was a gunslinger, and he was a hustler, and he had a bunch of land, and he lost it in a card game. Okay. <laughs> okay, but it turns out that the, the, the guy that won it cheated. Oh. So great grandpa really didn't lose. So technically, there's like a claim on the property, right? Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, here you are, a hundred years later, and you're just you know Joe Schmo buying the property. Yeah. And you start this title search, right? And it appears clean because it only goes back maybe a hundred years depending on the property, when it was subdivided, all of that stuff. Right. So you buy the house, right? Everything looks good. And uh, you buy title insurance. And all of a sudden, you get a knock on the door saying, um, yeah, this was my great-grandfather's property, and you need to go now. And you're like, what? But they actually can prove with whatever yeah. documents that they have that they actually do own that property. So the title insurance will do one of a few things. It will pay them to go away. It will pay off your lender. Or if you own the property, fully free and clear, and you don't owe anybody on it, it will pay you to go away. So if you didn't like the house, you could be like, all right, and then the title insurance will settle it. And
1: and how much, what percentage of the full price would the... Title insurance pay?
0: That's a great question. And I don't know because I haven't had an issue yet. So so it's probably
1: all negotiated, I would think. Like, you know, like I'll give you five grand if you walk out, if you go away.
0: Yeah. I mean, that it could be. Yeah. It could be. I, you know, I I just, uh, I don't know.
1: (laughs) You know, from a consumer's point of view, and, you know, guys bought a couple houses and I'm not educated in real estate at all. I just do what I'm told. These, These are the kinds of things that would. Get get me upset at the, at closing because these these charges just start rattling. <laughs> off, you know, oh, title insurance. Uh, this oh, this is a processing fee. What do you mean a processing fee?
0: Yeah, they got to pay the person that you handled know, so the paperwork like, that carried it from that desk on, to this desk. Come on, you got to be kidding
1: me. <laughs> so you know, it would it would always sort of rattle my cage when these fees would come along, but
0: and. So speaking to this point, actually, about your fees, though, is that there is a, a difference. This is where APR comes in. So this is what you want to pay attention to. Uh-huh. So so when we think about uh, real estate and closing and costs, so you have your interest rate, which is what you pay every month, but then they calculate APR. And so that's mm-hmm. they add all of these fees in that shows you what the total cost yeah, of exactly. the financing is. Yeah, right. And so that's supposed to be a way to shop. But if you're concerned about fees fees like that, getting to the closing table, what you should actually do is ask for a good faith estimate of the charges, and they should have that to you because the mortgage laws changed after this big catastrophe that we have mm-hmm. had in the industry. And so what that has done is that's actually given you more tools because they have deadlines to meet to get you uh, really significant estimates. And you should be able to see the breakdown of those fees. And those are negotiable. Yeah, You can say, hey, you know what? I'm not going to pay that fee. And what are they going to do? Are they going to stop a several hundred thousand or million dollar transaction because you want to quibble over 20 bucks yeah. or yeah. 50 bucks or 100 bucks? They're going to do it. Yeah. So you, the power is you're in your hands. You should. Right. Always remember that yeah. when it comes to real estate and closing, you are not at the mercy of the other people. And if that lender wants you to close, um, he's going to do what it takes. He's going to suck up some of those fees if he has to. You know, they build in so much in the back end, especially, you know, right. bro- bankers don't have to disclose back end profit, um, and brokers do. Um, it's kind of like this weird thing that yeah. they have. Um, but in either case, they're making plenty of money. I know I was a lender. They're making plenty of money. Anyway, that's it for today's Mm -hmm. moolah word of the day. Uh, Let's Mm -hmm. talk about our guest, though. We have a real estate investor himself. Kashif Zubari is joining us, and he is currently the director of investor relations with Caliber Companies in Scottsdale. And in addition, he is an investor and partner in Real Estate Properties, LLC, and Zubari Properties, LLC. He's a strategic planner with a global mindset. Kashif has the proven skills for incorporating all functions of sales and marketing, business development, operations, and management for investors. He is adept at integrating cultural challenges like consumers, distribution, people, logistics, and costs. And with an MBA from Cardiff School of Business Management in the United Kingdom, and a Bachelor's of Commerce from Anwar Ul Loom College, um, he is uh, from Hyderabad, India. That's his. His home. Yeah. Um, Kashif has the distinction of working with renowned companies and organizations such as GE, Pepsi. He's entered the USA with more than ten years' experience as an investor in real estate and development, encompassing project design, planning, and process enhancement, and seven years of working for corporations in the UK, Dubai, and India. So he's a big collaborator and I just, you know, and we're both aligned politically. That's how we met was at one of my girlfriends at Reagan's function. Uh And uh, so he was just very interesting and I love international people and I've been to India, so I really enjoyed the connection. So I'm excited that he's joining us on today's show. So uh, Keshef, welcome to Unlock Your Wealth Radio. We are thrilled to have you be a part of today's show.
2: Thank you so much for having me here. Really appreciate that. Thank you.
0: So I love your nickname. So tell, the, tell us what, how you got your nickname Cash.
2: Oh, that's uh, it's ironic because I'm in financial industry. I work in finance and my name is Cash. Uh, but it actually started with Johnny Cash. I'm a huge fan of his. And my friends started calling me Cash uh, without realizing that actually my first half of my name Sounds cash. It's Kashif, K-A-S-H-I-F.
0: Yeah, so that's pretty cool. I thought, wow, you know, I I wish being in financial services, I wonder why I never came up with that nickname for myself. Yeah, my name is Heather, (laughs) but you could call me Cash.
2: Yeah. People care. love cash, right?
0: Well, yeah, we all love cash. And so, speaking of cash, you have an interesting story. So, you are new relatively to the United States as a resident, um, but as a real estate investor, you also used to invest in India. What's investing in real estate in India like?
2: It is uh, pretty much the same. It's very much alike and different at the same time. Uh, in India, you get good deals if you have really good connections and you know people. You get access to the deals which others don't. Same like before Jobs Act in the United States, it was just for friends and family of big investors.
1: Mm-hmm. You couldn't
2: you know, ask outsiders or other investors to invest with you. But now you can, thanks to Jobs Act. But uh, in India, it's still the same. Uh, you have access to the best of the real estate if you have connections, if you know uh, where things are. And it's, it's much easier, I would say.
0: What is, what is it like applying for financing now? Can you, do you have to pay cash for homes in India? In some countries, that's the only way to buy a home is to pay cash for it. But can you finance property in India?
2: Yes, you can. It's uh, just as competitive as it is here. So we have all private banks who give loans. Uh, government servants have special uh, subsidiaries uh, uh, rates that they get to buy their home. And, uh, but most the, the, the drawback with Indian real estate is, I'm sure you must have heard about uh, demonetization happening in India, and that was for the uh, purpose of getting black money into the circulation. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, even today, if I'm ba- buying a land which is, say, $10 Mm -hmm. 60% of the transaction is in white, which is actually declared, and the 40% is under the table. That is the black money, which is not registered. So there's a lot of difference in the market value by government assessors and the real estate in reality. So you still need to have a lot of cash. and Even if you have financing, you need to have cash to uh, purchase real estate there.
0: So it's not even like a down payment. It's just the black money to cover the value difference between? Yeah. Okay. All right. That's interesting. You know, our in, here in Arizona, our assessor's tax rate, you know, the assessed value is much different than the market value here. Um, I wonder if that's kind of a correlation.
2: Uh, kind of is. So usually what happens is market value is artificially inflated by uh, influx of buyers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when there's more demand and there's less inventory, so, you know, people are ready to pay more than uh, what the property value is at. And that is one of the first indicators that you might want to see when the market is going to crash, because that's not going to sustain for too long.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, inventory shortages are a challenge that we're starting to see here in Arizona as well. But um, so... In India is it kind of the wild west you guys have a lot of land and i would guess that most of it's not developed even though you have uh, millions and millions of people well, You have billions of people don't you you have billions 1.2 billion
2: yeah right
0: so so is is india as far as real estate investment concerned is it overdeveloped underdeveloped is it still kind of is there opportunities to make money
2: Oh, there is, absolutely. There is a huge influx of uh, uh, investors from abroad in India. For example, my city, Hyderabad, uh, there, there is this place called Tech City, and it is relatively new. It was uh, developed because of the IT boom, and it is the uh, information technology hub of India right now. And that land, thousands and thousands of acres, I, I would say millions of acres, basically, was uh, it, it? It was dairy farms. So people who didn't have enough money, people who were just you know dairy farmers, they used to live there and you know live hand to mouth. Not enough money to sustain. And that, you know, those millions of acres were bought by companies like GE, Microsoft, Intel, IBM, and overnight, those um, dairy farmers became multimillionaires and billionaires, depending on the size of land they had. And uh, there's still so much resources that India has. It is the third largest uh, economy in the world. And it is relatively new because we got independence about 70 years ago. So if you see where we have come from in the last 70 years, before uh, India was uh, un- uh, a uh, British colony, it was supposedly the golden bird. It was, it was adding up to, I think, 23% of the world economy at that point in time. But w- after uh, Britishers, it was the third world country. And in the last 70 years, it grew from bottom zero to the top three. So it's an uh, it's, it's un- imaginable growth. And that is purely because we have unlimited talent and immense natural resources because of the size of our country.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's really exciting to hear that that's an investment frontier that people consider as an option if overseas investing is something for them. You are listening to Kashif Kasuberi on Unlock Your Wealth Radio. This segment is sponsored in part by KeepMyID.org, the only service that actually prevents identity theft. All others are just monitoring services. Put your credit on lockdown for Unlock Your Wealth Radio listeners and their special offer by visiting our website at unlockyourwealthradio.com forward slash KeepMyID and click on the link to start protecting your financial future right now. So you went from being an investor in India to a real estate investor here, and now you work for a really interesting real estate investment firm. Tell us a little bit about the company you work for.
2: I work with Caliber Companies, and uh, it is a very uh, interesting—we started 10 years ago, almost 10 years ago, with zero capital. Today, we have more than $365 million worth of assets under management and uh it is started by chris loeffler and jennifer schrader they are the co-founders of the company uh it's a young company very young blood but experts in everything we have a group of individuals who are experts in their own field and uh it is a remarkable growth we have 253 percent growth we we are the fastest second fastest growing private equity firm in the country today and uh, It is, uh, I think, one of the finest companies I have ever worked with. I worked with a lot of companies. I I used to head corporate sales for market management consultants. That's Asia's number one HR firm. They basically handle everything about HR from payrolling to hiring and software and training, everything. And I'm personally responsible for more more than 80,000 employments in India that I got the contracts through my work. And I had, you know, I've worked with a lot of companies, uh, big companies, one of the finest in the world, but there's no other company which actually gives more importance to the potential of an individual mm-hmm. rather than what they see on the piece of paper. So we, when I was interviewed, I was interviewed for about three months
0: That's a long and
2: process. each and every person, yes. And each and every person on my team actually interviewed me. And everyone had to have the unanimous decision to take me in. so that is not something that you would see. And we have had conversations before, and I told you that, you know, I'm I'm a seeker. I love to seek knowledge. I love to be in the company of people who are intelligent, who are educated, who are uh, on their way somewhere, you know. And uh, so this was very interesting, the way I met Chris, Chris Loeffler. He's the co-founder of uh, our company. And I was actually in a seminar. It was, uh, I think, six-figure mindset, something like that. And I was not even supposed to be there. And one of my friends, dear friend, she had a table book, and she said, no, you have to go. And you have to. she insisted me for three days, and I was, okay, I will go. Mm-hmm. And I was listening to everyone talk, and I was like, why am I here? I, I'm much more intelligent than these people are. I'm sorry, I don't want to sound pompous, but I'm just saying that you know, <laughs> people try and Talk things, I'm sure you come across those people a uh, lot. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> you know, they, <laughs> I, I hear two yeses there. So, <laughs> oh,
0: yeah, Michael, M- Michael knows yeah. for sure. He's been around the block a little longer than I have. But
2: <laughs> thank you so much for agreeing, Michael. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> so there were a lot of people who are trying to sound intelligent and they're knowledgeable and they're, you know, everyone is a grinder. Everyone is the best. And, you know, and I was getting bored, to be honest. Uh, my father always said that if you're the smartest man in the room, you better change the room. Ooh, I and like I was, I was thinking of changing the room, and then there was this guy my age. He stands up on the podium and um, on the stage, and he starts talking about private equity. And now I can understand how teenagers feel when they see a rock star on stage. <laughs> he he was that rock star for me. Wow! And I was like. I was like, I have to meet this man and I have to learn things from him. And he finished his talk, and I'm pretty sure he was just one or two steps down the stage. And I ran towards him and I said, I'll work with you for free. Just teach me everything that you can. Wow. And he smiled, looked at me, asked me for my card. And he said, I'm going to shoot you an email. We'll have a conversation and then we'll talk. And he uh, sent me an email right then and there. Then we had a conversation. We spoke for about hour, hour and a half. That time uh, we were closing Hilton Phoenix in, uh, uh, at, in the airport area at that point. So there, uh, we were busy closing. So we spoke, I think on 8th of November last year. And uh, then rest is the history. Then I met him. Then he introduced me to other members on the team and everyone had a unanimous decision. And I told him that I'm new to United States, and I really don't have book of business per se in financial industry. you know how finance industry works mm-hmm. it's a well functioning machine. You cannot just you know get into finance world from nowhere and I told him that I have experience, I've run business, I know uh things, but I don't have a book of business here in the United States, so I'm not sure that I can generate business immediately, but uh, I know for a fact that you know once I pick up the momentum, I'll be one of the finest people in your in your team. So he said, cash you need to come with uh good work ethic and you should be a seeker of knowledge. You come with these two things and the rest of the things I will teach you. Don't worry about that. And rest is history."
0: That's awesome. What a great story. So what type so
2: of going back, sorry, uh, sorry to interrupt. So, uh, no, so going back to the thing that I have recruited so many people in my life for so many companies, there was not one CEO who ever used those words that I can teach you skills, but you need to come with good work ethic and, you know, fire in your belly, you know, that sort of thing. So he earned my respect right then and there.
0: That's exciting. That that must have been exciting for you. So what types of real estate investment does your company look for?
2: So, we predominantly try and buy in a profit, so uh, most of our purchases are at least twenty percent less than the market value. so we invest in hotels, resorts single family homes multifamily homes, office complexes um, uh, commercial buildings uh storage facilities you name it, we own it but the the and the second thing what we try and do because our company came out of the ashes of uh, uh, last recession, that's when we started. So we understood what are the things went wrong because of which people faced losses. So we try and prevent ourselves. We we are not greedy for more profit. We make good profit. We uh, Our target is uh, to achieve 20% uh, IRR uh, on an average of five years spread. And uh, we uh, we can you know, have high leverage and uh, go for more profit, but we try and secure our properties. So if, uh, God forbid, there's another downturn,
0: mm-hmm. we
2: don't lose our properties. You know, we might not, um, um, how should I say, we might not uh, give distributions out at that point in time, but mm-hmm. if somebody has invested with us, their money is secure because we're not losing the property because we, we are not high leverage. Right. Yeah, that's so, a smart there way to lot go. of. Yes. And most of the companies, if you see, uh, which uh, were bankrupt or people who were bankrupt because of real estate at that point in time, were the ones who had like 75, 80% leveraged properties and they could not manage. They were getting loans when they were just, were, they were getting loans for a million bucks when they were just uh, qualifying for 200,000. And they could not keep up with the payments every month. So they had to lose their properties. That's what happened in most of the cases. Like, uh, you would never hear Warren Buffett uh, bankrupted himself in a recession, right? Right. Because he's the greatest investor. He always says investing is nothing but, uh, you know, knowing when to buy, when to sell, and when to hold. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And uh, unfortunately, we don't see that. Um, You know, we always talk about buyer's market and seller's market. But what we do is we sell in the, the buyer's market and we buy in the seller's market. So we're not going to make money off that. And that is the emotional behavior that people have because of which we land into trouble, unfortunately. We're not ready to accept that there are experts out there who know the business. We should probably depend on them. I'm a doctor. I should concentrate on healing people <laughs> rather than concentrating on uh, real estate investment, yes.
0: you know? let that to the experts, give your money to those that, that are successful at it. Well, that's really exciting. So if folks were interested in, uh, participating in some of the real estate projects that you guys have, how can folks find you to learn more about what you and your company do?
2: Well, they can always go to our website. That is www.caliberco.com coasinco.com or they can contact our office that is 480-295-7600 and they can ask for cash uh, if they want and they can research on our company how we have grown what kind of team we have and we are very transparent you know in private equity usually what happens is if you invest at the end of the year you get a letter That's it. Okay. That was your investment. This is what you have made. And if you, you know, um, and we will contact you next year. That's it.
1: Mm -hmm. But
2: we have a complete different perspective. We want to have world-class client service. You can reach to our CEO and there'll be no problem reaching them. You know, it's not like you're making a call to a customer rep and you're holding for like two hours and then you get in touch and the customer... Service rep says that, oh, sorry, I don't have that information. Some of my team members might contact you in the next four days. No, we don't work like that. We work like a close-knit family. Mm -hmm. We value our relations. We value our clients. And that's one of the most important reasons why we are so successful.
0: Well, that's exciting. So thank you so much for being a part of Unlock Your Wealth Radio. And for those of you who are driving around without a pencil, never fear, UnlockYourWealthRadio.com is here where you can visit Cash's show page and click on the links and get the phone numbers to his company and so much more. For the maestro of moolah, Michael Terry, I'm Heather Wagonhalls. Now go out and unlock your wealth today.
1: UnlockYourWealthRadio.com is produced by Heather Wagonhalls and the Unlock Your Wealth Foundation unlockyourwealthradio.com and its affiliates are copyrighted 2017 with all rights reserved for more information on the keys to riches financial wellness series please visit our website at www.unlockyourwealth.com